Well, it's a somber day that we must acknowledge those who have given their lives for our freedom. We have the greatest country in the world, and we have the greatest military in the world comprised of the greatest men and women in the world, and that's just all there is to it. We feel strongly that uh, those, some gave all and all gave some, is not just a trite expression, but it's one of thanksgiving for those of us who honor those who have gone on before us. Thank you. On this Memorial Day service, thank you. Today I will finish up the sermon on the road to Calvary. John 21, verses 15 and following is where I'll be. The simple question is simply this. Do you love the Lord? Oh, I know if I were to ask any of you that, your, your immediate response would be, of sure, I do, of course I do. You love Him on Sunday morning anyway. <laughs> Monday morning is a little iffy, and, you know, we spring back by the weekend. But do you really love the Lord? This is what Peter was asked of Jesus. Beginning at verse 15, John chapter 21. The Bible puts it this way. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Hmm. Peter, there were seven of them who had just gotten gone fishing the night before. There was Jesus on the shore waiting for them. The Bible says that he had a fire already made and there was fish and there was bread waiting for the fishermen. He called out to them, Have you caught any fish? Embarrassing for professional fishermen to answer no. Well then, Fish on, put your nets on the other side, to which they responded obediently. And when they had so many fish, they could barely bring it to shore, 153 fish to be exact. Then they felt that it was the Lord. John cried out, it's the Lord, to which Peter puts on his outer cloak, dives into the Sea of Galilee and swims to the shore while the other six were trying to drag the net and the boat to the shore to meet Jesus. Well, you know that there was some, some time as they were eating and, and filling up uh, their, their bellies with food and enjoying not only the food, but specifically the fellowship with Jesus in this uh, post-resurrection appearance of His. And then evidently, Jesus stood up and began to walk because verse 20 alludes to that. 
that they were not just sitting around a campfire, they were actually walking. And I'm sure John, feeling that he was part of that inner circle, felt strongly that he needed to hear what Jesus was talking to Peter about. And we don't know if the other disciples were with them. I would assume they were. But as they were talking, Jesus asked Peter, Do you love me? Ask him three times. Why? Well, it wasn't that Peter denied Jesus privately. Peter denied Jesus publicly. And when you have this public confession of sin, there must be a public repentance. Jesus wanted to confirm to Peter that he was valuable, that he was important not only to Jesus, but to the ministry and the mission of the gospel from that point forward. So Jesus asked him three times. He had denied Jesus three times publicly. He needed to acknowledge Jesus and his love for the Lord three times. Jesus asked him this question, and I'm going to ask you three questions today that I have wrestled with this week. And misery loves company, so I want you to share in my misery as well. He said, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? More than these. Maybe he looked around and looked at the disciples. And the question comes to us as well. Do you love me more than your friends? I mean, they fished together. They've known each other together. They were in business together. For the last three years, they ate, slept, and, and ministered together. But Jesus said, do you love me more than these relationships that you have with your friends? The question that I pose to you is the same. Do you love Jesus more than you love your friends? What about your family? Do you love Jesus more than you love your family? Jesus says, no one in a relative terminology can love family more than they love Jesus. The King James translates it to hate your mother or your father more than you love Jesus. It's a relative terminology there. Nothing should supplant love for Jesus. Do you love Jesus more than you love your relatives? We've got kids. We have grandkids. We've got great-grandkids. I mean, when you see the laughter on the faces of these children, do you think you really love Jesus more than you love that child sitting on your lap or playing with you at that particular time? That's a tough question. It's something that you have to answer. You can't answer it for somebody. You have to answer it for yourself. Do you love more than these? What about any other significant relationship? Spouses, husbands, wives, parents, brothers, siblings. Do you love them? Do you love Jesus more than you love relationships of any ilk? Hmm. Maybe Jesus was pointing to the boat and the nets. To us men, and he was talking to men at that particular time, our vocations identify us. We are identified oftentimes through our vocation. I've seen when I'm around small children, especially pastoring small children, they are perplexed to see me out of the pulpit. They just stare at you and go, what are you doing here? 
I even had a little four-year-old ask me where my cot was and when he looked at my office. Don't you stay here? No. I have a life beyond this. But we're identified through our professions, through our identities, if you will. A man has that, that, that ego need met through his vocational pursuits. Jesus said, do you love me more than your fishing, Peter? Your vocation, your hobby? Do you love me more than your clubs? Do you love me more than your hobbies? Do you love me more than your interests? Do you love me more than those activities with which you're engaged? Do you love me more than these? That's not a quick answer. Peter said, yes, Lord, you know I love you. Or maybe he is saying, do you love the second question, I think, more than others love Jesus? You know, there had been all this discussion. They were debating even before, as they were entering into Jerusalem during the Passover. They were debating on who was the greatest. Wow. Peter thought that he probably needed that accolade. James and John had fought for it. And they were, there was real uh, tension in the group of the band of disciples over who was the greatest. And the reason why is because they thought Jesus was going to be the new king of Israel. And one of them would sit in, next in power on the right hand and the other one on the left hand. So who was the greatest? Who would he choose? It would be me, they said, and that was up for discussion. Well, some of us look across the pew, perhaps, or maybe the dining room table, and we say to one another, Lord, you know that I love you more than that person loves you. Maybe this is what Peter was inferring. Well, Lord, you, you know I love you Nathaniel, excuse me? Well, you know that I love you more than these other guys. I'm out there with you. Now, in our own little human ego, we compare ourselves with one another, do we not? And when we compare ourselves with one another, we, we want to say as we are gathered in groups, boy, I know all about them. I know where they live. I know what they've done. I know how they uh, respond to the Lord. And sometimes we do comparisons, thinking God grades on a curve. We say, you know, I spend 30 minutes every morning without fail in the Word of God, in a devotional time. And then I get around other people. And they are lucky if they spend one 30-minute time a week. And I think to myself, boy, I must be a lot better off than they are spiritually. Must be closer to the Lord. Oh, Lord, you know I love you more than they do. And you may look across the aisle today or, or across that dining room table or that Bible study group, wherever you are, and ask the Lord the same thing. Oh, Lord, you know I love you more than these love you. Well, Peter said in Matthew 26, 33, Though all fall away because of you, I will never fall away. 
That was before he denied Jesus three times in public. John 13, require, he replied, I will lay down my life for you, Peter said. Do you love me more than these? Do you really think you do? Well, to what extent? This is where the water hits the wheel with us. You see, in your ministry, Peter was transformed from a fisherman to a shepherd. Are you pliable? Are you flexible to the master? Are you willing to say, Lord, I know that I've done these particular things and I'm engaged in this, but if you want me elsewhere, if you want me to do something different, I am available. I'm ready. I'm open. I'm pliable. I am absolutely flexible to the master's touch, no matter what that might be. Lord, I want to be flexible. You see, when Jesus told him, feed my lambs, all of a sudden that fisherman became a shepherd. And you and I have that responsibility as well. We have the responsibility to shepherd over one another, to care for the flock. If you really love the Lord, you're going to love His people. You're going to love His family because you're going to spend eternity with them if you love the Lord. And so it is our responsibility, each and every one of us, to care for the flock, to feed the lambs. I understand it's a, it's a heavy burden a pastor has, I promise you, especially one who's conscientious. Because one day we will be held accountable for how we led the flock. And then secondly, to what extent? What about your life experiences? There comes this particular time where Jesus says, verse 18 and following, Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you want to, do not want to go. Jesus, John says, is telling how Peter would die. One day they will lead him out. They will stretch him, his hands out on a cross and he will request to be crucified upside down because he didn't feel that he was worthy enough to be crucified in the same fashion as Jesus. Now, to what extent do you love the Lord? Are you willing to make Him Lord? Are you really willing in your life to allow God to call the shots in your life? Are you willing to see Him do things in your life that you never thought possible, good and bad, for His glory, for His glory? Sometimes we see strong Christians who are experiencing things, illnesses, crises, loss of family members, loss of children, loss of, of spouses, loss of relationships, loss of jobs, loss of economic prosperity. Why? Because God has a right to do what He so desires for His glory. Not for ours, but for His glory. Because it is in and through those circumstances, though dire they might seem to us at the time, that the Lord is glorified. 
How many times, time and time again, have I seen people at the end of a crisis, be it a tornado or a flood or a hurricane or whatever the case might be, who have yielded their lives to the Lordship of Jesus. And then afterwards, they can give their testimony about how God was so gracious and how He ministered to them in so many different ways and how it was through the, the storm of life that God brought them closer. To what extent do you love the Lord? Do you love Him enough to give over your life experiences to Him? Are you willing to allow your cares, your health, your financial problems to be placed at the foot of the cross and allow Him not just to be your Savior, but to be your Lord, to have complete lordship or control over your entire life, every facet, every segment, every phase of it? Do you love the Lord that much? In all honesty? Well, what about your idea of fairness? Do you love the Lord? Boy, the hot topic in our country today is equality. Everyone wants equal rights. Now, let me tell you something. When you come to follow Jesus Christ, He doesn't treat everyone equally. He loves us all equally but he doesn't treat everyone equally because he calls the shots. He's the creator. Listen to what Peter said. When Jesus said, someone, when you're older, you're, you will owe, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John, John's writing this, oddly. Peter saw him. He said, Lord, what about him? Now, wait a minute. God, you're doing these things to me? Excuse me? What about him? He doesn't seem to be impacted by anything. Why is it that me and my family receive all of the sorrows and they receive all of the joys? What about them? Have you considered that? Of course you have. Sometimes you have vocalized it. Maybe you haven't vocalized it, but you have felt it deep down in your soul. Well, what about them? What about John? Why is it that my kids are rebellious and their kids know the Lord and serve Him? I tell you what, it's... It's a pastor's uh, almost uh, dread, if you will, to hear somebody say, well, my children, all of them are on the mission field or in the ministry. What are yours doing? And I want to say, well, they're all on probation. <laughs> Every one of them. Not a single one has escaped the law. But it's not true. But I want to, you know, you, you read a Christmas letter. Don't you love those? Those of you that write them. And, and it's all, all glory. My child is valedictorian. My other child has just won Nobel Prize. This one has won the Pulitzer Prize. 
My husband and I haven't aged a single second in the day, and you're reading the Christmas letter, and you're going, well, wait a minute. I'm looking back over this past year, and it hadn't been kind to me at all, Lord. What about John? Why don't you do these things to John? Do you love Jesus so much that you're, your idea of fairness is placed in the hands and the laps of the Lord God Almighty. Do you love Him that much that you're willing to let Him make the shots in your life and in the lives of others? Why is it that non-believers are wealthy? Why is it that people that aren't even pretending to follow the Lord come out of it unscathed? Why that, Lord? Next week I'm going to begin a series on Job. You want to talk about a guy that could say, what about John? Well, do you love the Lord enough to where you are willing to place your idea of fairness? See what Jesus responded, Peter? If I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? What is that to you? We love to get involved in somebody else's business. We really do. What is that to you? Over the years, I know you have had experiences. You've probably got them cataloged now in your mind as we're speaking. There are those. You have had that experience where you have served the Lord with gladness and you come before His presence with singing and then all of a sudden your life collapses in around you. And there's that person that does none of the above. Couldn't care less about the Lord. Boy, they are prospering. Jesus said, if I want to do what I do with them, what is that to you? How does it impact you? That's the question. Two times Jesus told Peter, follow me. What difference does it make? You follow me. You keep your eyes on me, Peter. You see, because discipleship is an individual, personal process. It's not that God puts out one edict over everybody individually or group-wise and says, this is what's going to happen to this entire church family. Though we do share in the blessings of one another. And we commiserate when somebody is falling on tough times. What is that to you? Just follow me. To Peter, he's saying the word focus on Jesus. Peter, you know when you didn't focus on me. There was that time, first time in Luke 5, when, when you were out in the boat and, and I had just finished, Jesus is telling Peter, I had just finished uh, teaching the Word of God. And then I told you to launch the boat out into the deep. And you said, yeah, but we've been fishing all night long. We've caught nothing and we're mending the nets and we're, we're trying to wrap it up for the day. Jesus must have had that look to him. Peter said, well, nevertheless, because you said it, I'll do it. And he goes out and throws the net on the other side of the boat and, and the Bible says it, there were so many fish that he had to call his fishing partners in on another boat, and both of the boats almost sank because of the weight of the fish. And the nets broke. And at that time, Peter fell down and said, Lord, have mercy on me, I'm a sinner. I, 
And then there was the other time when, when Peter saw Jesus walking on the water and Peter said, is it, is, it, is it you, Lord? Then bid me come to you. Come, Jesus said. Step over the side of the boat. You can't walk on water if you don't get out of the boat. That'll sink in with some of you. Some of you would absolutely refuse to step over the side of the boat, as the other disciples did. But what happened when, when Peter took his eyes off of Jesus? He started sinking. The waves, he looked at the waves, he looked, listened to the wind, he looked at the elements around him. Obviously, we are not designed to walk on water, he's thinking. So he began to sink. Follow me, Jesus said. Peter, Peter, take your eyes off of your fellow disciples. Don't look at any circumstance, situation, experience that would hinder you from keeping your eyes on me. Focus clearly. What is that to you, Peter? Follow me. To you and I, Jesus is saying just this today on this particular Sunday and every day of our lives. Follow me. Don't follow somebody else's faith. Don't follow somebody else's tracks. Follow me. Don't listen to just what the pastor says, the preacher, the evangelist, the Bible study teacher. Follow Jesus. Look to Jesus, the author, the finisher of our faith. Look to Him. You see, Jesus began asking Peter, do you love me? And Jesus used the word agape, which is the love of the Father, the only kind of love that can come through God. And in His first two questions, Jesus said, do you love me? In other words, like I love. And Peter responded, Lord, you know I love you, phileo, like a brother loves a brother. And finally, the third point, Jesus asked him, do you love me, phileo? Peter says, I love you, agape. I get it. I understand now. If I truly love you, if I truly love you, it cannot be any other kind of love that the world provides. It's got to be the love of the Father in and through me. That's the only way it can happen. Do you really love Him? Do you really love Jesus? What is standing in your way? What is the stumbling block to you walking in a, in a more deeper relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ? What is it? What is hindering you in your walk? Do you love Him? Jesus said, follow me. You see, that word, the way He put it in the second Greek tense, is keep on following me. Don't just follow me today. Don't just leave this worship center saying, man, I do love Jesus. I'm following Him today. And then Monday morning, you're back to your old habits. Keep on following me. Always keep your eyes on Jesus. Wherever you are, with whom you associate, whatever activity you're engaged in, keep your eyes on Jesus. He is absolutely preeminent and He is the author of our eternal destination. So, let me repeat. Do you love Jesus more than these? More than your friends, your family, your relationships, 
your hobbies, your vocation? Do you love Jesus more than your comfort? Do you love Jesus more than everybody else loves Jesus? Is that what you're thinking he's saying? He's not dealing with everybody else. He's dealing with you. Jesus speaks to us individually. He's speaking to you right now. He's appearing to you. And he's asking you this, these questions. Do you love me? And you're responding. Do you love him to the extent that you're willing to do whatever he wants you to do in the ministry or out of the ministry that you're engaged in? Do you love him to the extent that, that, that all of the things that happen to you, good and bad, you're going to attribute to the Lord God and give him full opportunity to do whatever he wants to in this life? You are his. We are loaves and fish to be broken and given to a hungry world. Do you love him enough to where you put your idea of fairness on the altar? at the foot of the cross. Do you love Jesus? That's a question that you're going to have to answer. And I'll leave it up to you. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, this is your opportunity to do just that. Uh, I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision that you have. Maybe you are you're, have never publicly professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's just right there looking you in the eye, whispering in your ear, do you love me? Well, Lord, you know I love you, but I, I don't have time for this right now. Do you love me? That's what Jesus is asking you. Some of you are looking for a church home. We have a great place for you to serve the Lord. Serve Him in a way that brings Him glory and honor. Uh. Do you love the Lord? Would you stand with me as we pray? Our most gracious Father, we praise you for this day that you've given us, for this blessing that's ours in Jesus. Lord, be with us today. Be with the decisions being made. Those who are having struggling with this question about whether or not we really love you. That's a tough question. It's not one that can be dealt with superficially or momentarily. It's something that has to be dealt with every day of our life for the rest of our lives on this planet Earth. Lord, we love you. Father, be with us today. Be with these for whom decisions are being made. And thank you, Lord, for what you're accomplishing. For it's in Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. I'll be here at the front to pray with you about any decision the Lord is laying on your heart. Won't you come as God so directs as we sing?